Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is a Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 124. It's time. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he wants to compete in a triathlon someday, Pat Flynn. It's on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list. I think just the swimming part is going to kill me, but we'll we'll see. I'll let you know when it happens, though, for sure. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. This is session 124 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I hope you're having an awesome day. I am. I'm actually in Australia right now. Do my thing at the Pro Blogger event and, uh, you know, Follow me on Twitter and Facebook to see the latest pictures and news from that event. And, um, you know, I'll be back in the U.S. very soon. But in the meantime, we have a great episode for you today, especially if you're interested in publishing books. Whether you are going to publish a book very soon or you have already published books, I think we all have a book in us. I think I think we all know that. I've already published one called Let Go. It's a shorter book, but it was published a couple years ago and it got to number one on Amazon. And it's still the number one book in the Snippet app platform actually where I initially launched it. And it did really well. And one of the things I did to help promote and publicize the creation of that book before it came out even actually a you know, several months before it came out, I created a group on Facebook. And this group has sort of grown to become a hub for people publishing books on Amazon and Kindle writers and, you know, a lot of traditional writers as well. And many people within that group, which has grown to over, I think there's over 7,000 people now. At the time I launched Let Go, it was maybe 1,500. It's like 7,000 people now. It's awesome. And you can go to patsfirstbook.com to get redirected to that and ask to join in. I or one of the administrators there will let you in and, you know, just don't spam. That's the only thing we ask you to do. But, you know, you'll see the rules there. But anyway, on this group, a number of different people have stood out and have become sort of leaders and have used this group to just show their authority in the space and talk about their success and just share tips and strategies. One of those people is Steve Scott from stevescottsite.com and he's publishing books like crazy to to a tune of like one per month and he's doing really well. Like I can't like, you know, Let Go was fairly easy for me to write because it was about my personal story. I've tried and sat down, tried writing, you know, 
actual nonfiction books before and it's so hard like it took me like i remember spending time watching a blank screen or just that cursor blinking waiting for me to type on my keyboard for hours and i just wasn't able to get anything done and steve here he is writing a book a month and he's doing extremely well on amazon you know five figures a month and we're talking not just like ten thousand dollars a month but you know Last month, I think he and he mentions this. He reveals all of his numbers, very transparent and authentic on this show, uh, which I'm very thankful for, and I know you will be too. But I think last month he made like sixty grand from all of his books, and he has a number of books out there. But he's not just spamming. He's not just you know having writers write his books for him. He's doing it himself, and and he's using outsourcing, but in a very smart way. And so, if you're interested in publishing, if you're interested in perhaps getting into the Amazon market and the Kindle market, uh, this is going to be a fantastic episode for you. So let's just not wait any longer, and let's get right into the episode with Steve Scott. Again, you can find him at stevescottsite.com, and also you know on Amazon, we'll talk about some of his best-selling books and you know pros and cons of of going this way, and what he did right, what he did wrong, all the things you need to get started and build your own book publishing empire. So here we go. Enjoy the episode. All right. What's up, everybody? I'm so happy to welcome Steve Scott to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Really, it's it's an honor to be on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of yours. Well, I have to thank you, too, because I have this Facebook group that I started when when I was writing Let Go and a couple of other books that actually I never finished. And I did that just to give everybody a an insider look of of the process and what was going on and you know to hopefully give inspiration as I was writing books and you know I've been a little bit behind on the book writing side of things but you are a part of that group and you've sort of have stood out as a leader in that's in in that group in terms of not not just with your success and all the books you've written which we'll talk about and all the great strategies but you know you're there helping people all the time and you know first of all I just wanted to thank you publicly here for for doing that thank you Oh, it's been my pleasure. I actually joined right around the time when I was trying to kind of start my own Kindle uh, experience, and really was just connecting with people inside that group. And I could just rattle off a whole bunch of names with a lot of the people I met inside the group that personally helped me as well. So it's it's been my honor. That's awesome. And if, for those of you who are listening to this, if you want to go to that group right now, you could join. You have to request to join, but I or one of the other administrators will, um, you know, put you in there. And if you follow all the rules, there's some rules. And <laughs> as far as like, you know, you can't just promote all the books that you publish. There's, you know, you'll see the rules up there in the front. But you can go to patsfirstbook.com and that'll redirect you to that Facebook page. And currently we have, Steve, over 7,000 members, which is awesome so uh, yeah, yeah. Th- this is like helping me um light a fire under me in order to get my book stuff done because that's a great community everybody in there is awesome and um you know i know they're all sort of waiting for me to to write something new but you know obviously writing books is difficult but you found a way to do it and do it very well so let's get into that i mean even before you started writing books like who is steve scott what were you doing before and then how did you get into all this uh, I'll kind of give the Cliff Notes version because I'm sure people want to hear about the Kindle stuff. But um, I've been into online marketing since. Um, oh crap! It's uh, okay. Of, of this course, is a real show. <laughs> no, the, this is a real show right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, the phone rings at one time. Um, so I've been <laughs> into online marketing since about 2004. So it's been about a decade, and um, I've had moderate success over years uh, up till the last couple of years, making six figures uh, a year, mostly through affiliate marketing and. Basically, about two years ago, I was really kind of burnt down from affiliate marketing. As you well, you talk a lot about affiliate marketing. It gets kind of tiresome trying to have to figure out like campaign after campaign. And it's like, it's really, you do well, a really good job of it. It's really hard to kind of blend the content of free content, but also try to get people to buy affiliate products. Mm. So 
as a way to drive traffic, about two years ago, I uh, stumbled across Kindle Publishing. And at the time, I was kind of more looking at as a traffic generation strategy instead of an income strategy. So I basically did what a lot of people do. I just repurposed blog posts and I'll kind of put that up, put it up there on Kindle Publishing. Um, I would say this is February 2012, not really thinking too much about it. And most books are basically your how to make money online, just some of the experiences I had from that. And what I noticed is that the books actually kind of made money. They were making anywhere from 5 to $10 a day. And my thought was this really was just like a traffic generation strategy. It really wasn't putting forth any effort uh, behind them. So I really, this idea kind of fermented, uh, kicked around until September 2012. when I think it was a month or two after you started the group that I really just said, hey, let me, what happens if I sit down and really try to write one Kindle book every single month just about different things and see where it goes from there. Instead of writing blog posts, I would just write all my stuff in Kindle format. And um, as they say, the rest is history. I, I did pretty well with the internet marketing books, but it really wasn't until I kind of get into the habit books, the habit market, that things really started taking off. Nice. So let's go back to February of, of 2012. You publish these books primarily for traffic generation methods, you know, sort of experimental, and then they start to make money. How, how are you saying that anybody can just publish anything, can repurpose blog posts and they'll begin to no. make money? Or how, how did you get money at, at that time? I, I would say maybe that was beginner's luck. And I would actually really honestly say you shouldn't just repurpose uh, uh, content from your blog. Just don't do what I do. Don't just throw it up there. And actually, since then, I took down those blog posts because what I did know at the time is that breaks uh, the rule for a KDP select, which we'll definitely get into. But basically, within KDP select, you can't have your content uh, published elsewhere. But I, didn't, I honestly didn't know that at the time. So okay. um, it was kind of a, a, a novice uh, thing that I did that just not really knowing any better. Mm-hmm. But I would say, uh, and that's actually probably what we should talk about the rest of the interview, is I really kind of evolved from that strategy where I really try to, to create as much of a real book as possible. I know I don't have what traditionally published people have with the, the groups of editors and mark, like teams of people helping behind your book, but I try to get it to that level as much as possible. But I would say to answer your question, you really want to just do as good of a job as possible without just, like, don't just throw up a bunch of content and expect it to do well on the Kindle platform. Right. But with that being said, I mean, you were still able to make money and and I'm not yes. encouraging anybody to do that, but I think this just shows the power of getting on a platform like Amazon and publishing yeah. Kindle books. Oh, I, absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, and sometimes with a lot of my books, even now I'll take some old blog posts and re, re kind of work them and make them fit inside the book itself. But you definitely... If you have a blog, it's definitely like what I consider the best launching pad for a Kindle success. Okay, so let's go to September 2012. A couple months after you join the group, you get you get inspired to sort of again experiment and try to do a book a month, which is a which is a crazy goal. What what why a book a month? And then like, what was your first one? Let's see. Actually, I kind of did the meta. That book was my third book. It was kind of the meta how to find best selling book ideas because that's really I spent like weeks trying to trying to figure out how to what would actually sell on Amazon. I just wrote like pages and pages of notes. So instead of basically coming out and say, telling people I'm a good uh, Kindle publisher because I knew I wasn't, I tried to find that one specific idea and really try to provide an in-depth solution to that. And that, that really evolved into what my strategy is now, which is find one topic and write about that. And from there, I think the one – actually, I really honestly truly forget the fourth one. But I think it was uh, something – because actually – created a couple of YouTube videos that did really successful through affiliate marketing. So I think I wrote about that one. But the idea there is just I kept on 
tackling these small little topics and really trying to drill down on those, almost like a blog post. Instead of trying to write everything in one single post, you try to just talk about one thing and do a good job of really providing uh, a lot of step-by-step information. Mm-hmm. And how many books do you have total now? Um, I actually forget. I think it's 42 or 43 would be my best guess. And you've been consistent like month after month just pu- publishing a new book? Um, yeah, the, the, that kind of, that, that figure actually really doesn't describe some things. Like I actually tried to write, or actually I tried to outsource a whole 14 book, uh, children's book thing. Literally, it's about, I, I might as well talk about it now. It's, but it, it's like animal picture books. And I thought that'd be a great market. And that was a complete failure. Like I still made my money back, but I thought it would do a lot better than it did. So 14 of those books are ones that I kind of wrote myself or I had outsourced and they're only like four or 5,000 words a piece. So. I guess the, a better answer would be maybe 28 uh, books that are about ten to 15,000 words in length. Okay. I'm sorry, th- there was a follow-up uh, thing that you asked? Huh? Oh, uh, um, you know, and how, how long were, were each, of, each of the books, I was going to say? Okay, uh, yeah, I started out in the twelve to 15,000 word range. Now I'm actually trying to get anywhere from 20 to 25, and actually my future books, I really want to start bumping up that number to 25, 30 books. I really, it's getting more competitive on Amazon. I really want to continue to try to stand out and have my books be a little bit better than the stuff that's out there. Well, so 12 to 15K and even 25K isn't, isn't that much. I mean, when you think about a book that we get at like Barnes and Noble or something, I mean, those could be, you know, a couple hundred pages, 80,000 to 100,000 words. Um, but I think when you pick a single topic like this, I mean, there's less to talk about, obviously, when you do that. But, you know, are there any ramifications or consequences of the books being sort of on the shorter end? Um, I try to mitigate that a bit. Um, I know my books are shorter, so I really keep them at the two ninety nine price point. I try to, to to price them lower, just hopefully knowing that when someone reads a book, if they like it, they'll go on to buy my second, third, fourth, fifth book, etc. Um, so I try. I think keep at a lower price point, 99% of the people are pretty happy with that. And the fact is I really do try to be very forward that this is one book that's about one solution. It doesn't try teaching everything, but that's why it's it's $299. That's why it's not $1499 like what traditionally published book would be or $999. Right. So I, you, I just get a little bit of brushback by people. Once in a while, I get a negative review basically saying that it's it's not very long or, or something like that. But I I feel most people honestly like the very straightforward just solutions to their one problem. Right. I mean, I, I have a book on Kindle, Let Go, um, which is on other platforms too. But uh, I had one like one star review or something. I mean, there's, there's 299 yeah. reviews. About 99% of them are five star. But you, you get the occasional person who says the thing that just like doesn't matter in terms of the content of the book. They just, I don't know. One person was like, this is too short. Like I yeah. wouldn't, you know, this should be 99 cents, not two ninety nine. I'm like, what? Really? Like <laughs> really $2? Uh, but okay. I think something interesting you said was you, you know, people who buy one book, you want them to get interested and involved with the other books. Like, yes. how are you encouraging that and, and, and even tracking that? Uh, to be honest, I'll start with the second question first. To be honest, it's, it's really kind of hard to track it in particular. Like, I don't really – Amazon, just they're, they're just not really very forward with their metrics. They just, mm-hmm. they're not going to tell you who goes on to buy book after book. You do actually kind of see a little bit of that with the customers also bought. That's at the bottom of every um, book listing on Amazon. And what they're also starting to do now is they, this book together with this book, customers also bought that. So that's a, a quick way of telling that people are going to buy your books, but I do it more without tracking, but to kind of 
um, just my interaction with people on a regular basis through email. It's like, oh, I like all your books. I've gone on to buy a bunch of them. Uh, in the reviews themselves is like the, the comment I absolutely love seeing is I love S.J. Scott's books, like something like that that kind of shows cool. that it's working. And I would say specifically, I know you really bang this drum, is through email marketing. So I'm a huge believer of uh, building an email list. I actually use the lead pages like you recommend as well. And I'm really, that's like my number one, actually my number one, two, and three marketing strategy is build an email list. And every time I do a book launch, I really try to uh, use my email list to get as many sales as possible at the, uh, 99, cent, at the 99 cent price point. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Awesome. And we're going to get into sort of the, your process so anybody out there can hopefully sort of learn from how you do things, the methods and, and the launch, you know, all the way from finding the book idea to the launch process. But before we even get to that, I, I want to ask the question that I think is on everybody's mind right now. So you have 30-ish books, I mean, a little bit more with the children's series that didn't work out. But um, how, like, if you don't mind sharing, like, how well are the books doing? How many are you selling? And if you can give us a revenue, that would be awesome, too. Uh, to be honest, the Actual units, I haven't tracked in two months, uh, but I would say lately I've been seeing around twenty to 25,000 units a month or so. Um, wow. For the last couple of months, I actually have one. Actually, I, I did pull up a earnings report because I thought you might answer this question. Wow. Um, <laughs> I would say for the beginning of 2014, for a couple of months, I was doing 20,000. And in the last couple of months, things have really jumped up to uh, $60,000. And in the last two months, it's been about fifty to forty-five thousand uh, dollars a month for the Kindle stuff specifically, and then some other stuff through CreateSpace and ACX. Forty-five to sixty thousand dollars a month. Yes, that's obviously those are the last couple of months I've had right, right. a really that's... good month. But you know, it was it's it's the way I describe it. It goes up, then it goes down, then it goes up a little more. It's almost like if you're looking at a graph, it continuously goes up as you publish more books and build your brand. Yeah, wow. So you have this empire of books now and, and series and people can get other ones. And, and that's, I mean, that's amazing money right there. Uh, yes. That's, I mean, congratulations. That's so Thanks. cool. Trust um, me, I, I, a bit eye-opening after the last couple of months. But I'm amazed myself. <laughs> now, in terms of distribution of revenue per book, is it sort of 20% of your books making 80% of the results or is it pretty spread out evenly? It definitely I would, I would pull a asterisk to it. It definitely is the 80-20 rule that a couple books drive an insane amount of my sales. That said, what I, I literally looked at the report right before I got on the call, but with Kindle Unlimited, and that's a new program, basically members get to sign up for uh, all the books they want for $9 a month. I've seen the payout. That's like $1.80 per Kindle Unlimited borrow. And what was really interesting, I saw a lot of people pick up some of my other books that really weren't doing that well, and they're starting to take off. So it's uh, actually with Kindle Unlimited, I'm starting to see a little bit more spread out amongst other books, which is, to me, that's really, that's more exciting than the, the few ones that do really well. Yeah, that's cool. So, and we'll talk about KDP Unlimited and KDB Select and what all those mean for everybody out there. But let's go into your book publishing process. Where do you start with how to find an idea? Is it totally based on just your own life experiences or do you do any keyword research or market research on Amazon? Like, how do you start? Okay, uh, I'll give you, I used to have a, a different answer, but I'll give you, I guess, what I do now. I, I would say first off is I'm really uh, a strong believer in building a brand just like you recommend, uh, like with a blog. You don't want to try writing a bunch of books that aren't really related. You really want to kind of hone in on one particular topic. And build an audience like you would with a podcast, a YouTube channel, or a, a blog. You want to really just find that one audience and really just continuously write books about that. I, and, and your audience is? 
uh, habit, I really kind of focus on habits because that's honestly what I'm really interested in right now is my own self-improvement, my own personal development. So I really just try to write books that some of them have a loose, tenuous uh, relation to habit, but I feel that all of them kind of come under that one particular umbrella. Sure. What are some of the books in that, in that sort of uh, space? Like name a few of them for us. Okay. There's uh, 23 anti-procrastination habits. That actually did pretty well. Uh, the kind of the, the idea of if you're really struggling with stuff, like, kind of the idea of getting behind wh- why you're actually procrastinating. And, here's, and then I provide a bunch of different habits that you can do to kind of overcome that kind of limiting belief. Um, actually, I know you talked about this on a podcast a few uh, months back, but declutter your inbox, but the idea of how to actually end with inbox zero on a consistent basis. And that, that honestly, that came from my own personal struggle. Like you can, like you talk about, it's when you get a lot of email on a daily basis, it becomes overwhelming. And there are certain habits you can uh, specifically adapt to kind of help it. You won't completely overcome it, but at least help, you know, minimize the time that you spend in your inbox. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I really, that did really well, but also, which I'm sure we can talk about, that also got a lot of brush back by negative reviews, but a thing called habit stacking. That's what I like to do in the morning is I find a bunch of small little five minute or less habits and just group them together. So I basically, you know, you take your pill. Um, uh, for me, it's like, it was texting my girlfriend. We were, when we were apart, kind of sending something really nice to her to kind of make her feel to kind of like start the day by helping strengthen my personal relationship, stuff like that. These small little things that you know you should be doing. I just put that into kind of a streamlined process and just do that every single morning before I start my day. So basically the idea there um, to kind of answer the question from a couple of minutes ago is I do try to take a lot of my personal experience and bring them into a book. And really a lot of my market research, I look kind of on Amazon just for the kernel of the market, see if that sells. And it's half kind of seeing what will sell. It's also kind of just comes from what I think would, would be something that people would enjoy, almost like a blog post. You kind of put stuff out there and see if it actually does well. Yeah, and we ha- we've had other Kindle authors on the show before, Jeff Goins yep. um, and Johnny Andrews. And, you know, Johnny especially was just talking about how uh, you should definitely, you know, be in some sort of vertical in terms of yeah. picking, an, picking a specific market or niche or, or idea and just, you know, building stuff around that instead of, you know, one person who talks about airplanes and then his next uh, book is about, you know, how to roll sushi and then his next one is about parenting. Like that wouldn't all fit together. So I, I really like this idea of sort of building building a brand, becoming an expert and an authority on just this specific space. So, okay, we got the brand, we got the space, we have an idea of what sort of part of the market we want to get into. Um, and then where do you go from there? Uh, basically, it's um, kind of everyone. Every writer has their own process, and I'll, I'll try to get the Cliff Notes version of mine. But I like to start with uh, just a legal pad, um, just a piece of paper, and I'll just literally do a brain dump of everything I know about that particular topic. Actually, let me take one step back. Is when I have an idea, I'll actually kind of put it into Evernote app. I'll actually create a a, uh, a notebook for that particular idea, and I'll spend a week or two just adding ideas to it, uh, random thoughts. I actually do a lot of my best thinking when I'm running, so. When I come back from running, I'm constantly adding two or three ideas to that particular book I want to write about. So almost a kind of subconscious thinking about your next book idea over a course of a couple of weeks really helps create a, almost a catalog of ideas that you want to include in the actual book itself. And then from there, I do the, what I mentioned, the legal pad where I write down a bunch of ideas. And then from there, I actually I kind of go old school. I just take a stack of index cards and I'll just write down uh, ideas. I'll write down uh, chapter headings on the back of those. I'll actually write down the individual stuff from the legal pad. 
this takes about a day or so. And at the end of the day, it's, I have a stack of index cards that I can then sort, cross out, rip up the cards, that sort of thing. And I know pe- this is kind of what people taught about outlining, and it sounds grueling, but actually really it helps clarify what you actually want to put into a book. And then from there, I'll just basically um, do a rough draft. I'll just really write down almost a stream of consciousness, everything I can possibly think about in a logical order. And it's, it's pretty much a hot mess. It's, it's just a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of thoughts in a somewhat logical order. And in second draft, I'm really going, painstakingly going over that. Same with the third draft. I really tried to, to make the, the stuff uh, as tight as possible. And then I pass it off to two editors. So there's a, the first editor really kind of goes over this stuff. And then now I actually have a second editor who kind of acts more as a proofreader. And then I just upload to, to Kindle stuff. And I'm actually for the, I have a book I'm really, really want to focus on having a good launch, almost using the stuff that you talked about with Jeff Cohen. So I really want to almost expand on that and really have a, a formal couple week launch after that point. But it, before that, I really just kind of have a, once it's published, I release it to my email list and then just let it rip and see what happens. Nice. That's cool. Let's talk, let's talk more about the writing process. I have a few questions here in comments. Sure. I think the note cards are really smart and that's something I think would help me because oftentimes I'll create a mind map and that's always a good way to sort of categorize and organize a brain dump and then you can reorder yes. things and things like that. It's sort of the same thing as the note cards, but I like the note cards idea specifically because when you're looking at one note card, that's the only note card you're really looking at. Like yes. If you have a stack of them and you can just focus on that, on that idea, ask questions about it and then you could spread them out if you wanted to and reorder them and do all that other stuff. And there's something about doing it with your hands. I think yeah. that, that really helps take it to the next level, sort of materializes it a little bit. Yeah, I actually, I'm a little bit older. I'm going to be 40 next year. So it's, I still kind of remember before the internet, before computers, like not as much as I'm sure some older people, but I still like to actually do like the, actually, I, I enjoy actually getting on a piece of paper and a pen and just writing stuff down instead of constantly being in front of a laptop. I, I think that taps into our, our subconscious mind better than just constantly be in front of the doodads and technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it makes me wonder, like, if I were to ask people, like, when was the last time you wrote with a pencil? Like, some people <laughs> would probably say months or years. I, 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 Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday for you. Well, it works for you. Um, okay, writing process still on that. What, what, how, how much time and how much money would you say, on average, you, you spend to create a book? I would say time, I'm really kind of trying to lengthen. I, I used to be, a, I said before, actually a month of, to write a book. For At some points, I was trying to write, crank them out at three, uh, three weeks per book, which is, I've kind of backtracked on that. And I'd like, I think now it's more, I, I'm really kind of starting to think that six to eight weeks would be a better timeline. Because as I mentioned before, I'm really trying to improve the quality of the books themselves. So for me, six to eight weeks. But um, honestly, if if you think a book's ready to go to all listeners, then by all means, get that out there. I just, I'm just trying to evolve my process. As far as financial, um, I'll be honest, like once in a while, a chapter I think I don't really need to write myself, I'll outsource it. Um, but that's like maybe 10 to 20% of my books now. So I, I have a little bit of stuff where I know that someone else could do just as good of a job. So I'm trying to fine-tune what I do. So I'd say anywhere. Um, I also now have an audio version, a print version, and with edits, with cover design. I would say I spend around 1500 to $2,000 per book. But I can't remember the last time I haven't made my money back on that. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. Hundred to two thousand, awesome. And then in terms of okay, the the at first you said you know three to four weeks to write a book, and now you want to kind of up it a little bit. But in terms of a day to day basis, how much time are you dedicating to your books, or you know how much are you just focused on it? Is it just sort of a oh, one hour before I go to bed type of thing, or are you working on it eight hours a day for those for those weeks? Like how? Uh, oh, definitely yeah. not. I, I would say 
I actually really, because I, I write about habits, so I really am a firm believer in the writing habit of pretty much the first thing I do every morning is do some form of writing. Uh, to quantify it, I would say anywhere from 15 to 20 hours a week. I, and that's actually, that's the extreme amount. I'd say maybe on some weeks I'll do maybe 10 to 15 hours. So I would say like almost like a small part-time job. Like if you're, if you're, if you have a full-time job elsewhere, you could definitely squeeze this in over a weekend or get up an hour or two early before your work day and do it. I, I definitely have kind of followed that model myself. So I know it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I, I think once or twice I've actually done the kind of rush. I'll do it over a week or two, like just almost writing full time. But I don't really like that process because it feel it does feel rushed to me. So I yeah. should. So to, yeah, to answer your question, I'd say 10 to 15 hours a week. Um, sorry about that yet no, again. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not as popular as you. I just checked my phone and it's not on silent, but nobody called me. I'm actually, I'm, I'm visiting my family, so I'm at their house. So that's why I, oh, okay. I just have a cell phone. So I do, do apologize to you and the listeners. No, but yeah, no I'd worries. say about 10 to 20 hours, uh, a maximum of 20 hours a week writing. Okay, awesome. And then you mentioned outsourcing. You, do, you don't outsource the entire book because, I mean, part, part of it's it's coming from your own experience. So that would be kind yes. of difficult. But you do outsource parts of it. And, you're, and, you know, I think a lot of people might be like, oh, my gosh, like you outsource the book. Like that's bad. But do you have any thoughts on outsourcing? I actually, I really, depends on when you ask me. Because, for instance, if I outsource them, there's like 15 resources for this. It's stuff like that. It's just more something that I'll ask my VA to do or or like I have a couple of writers that I work with on an occasional basis. I feel the stuff that doesn't necessarily come from your own personal experience, you can do a little bit of, but I would definitely caution against trying to, to outsource a whole book because it really, you lose that, that individual experience and basic part of your brand. And like, it's almost like outsourcing a blog, a bunch of blog posts. Like you can do it here and there uh, a little bit, but I wouldn't, would, wouldn't recommend doing a whole outsource book. Yeah, because I, I'm imagining a few people in the audience listening to this and they're like, wow, I could just, I could do what Steve's doing like by just hiring all the people to do it for me and not have to put any, any work in at all. Yeah, I, I would actually really caution against that. And to be honest, I, I'm almost like hesitant sometimes to talk about the fact I use a little bit of it because I don't want to give the people the wrong idea. I would say for like a, like I mentioned, a little bit here, a little bit there, it's okay. But even the stuff I get back, I, I go over and I have my editor go over. And I think a lot of mistake that a lot of mistake that people make is they think it is just a kind of a push button solution where they'll just pay someone the lowest amount of money and throw it up there. And I I feel that Amazon's constantly evolving and just trying to throw junk up really is not the long term model to follow. Mm-hmm. And sort of in putting outsourcing aside now, just in terms of book writing in general, what are your thoughts or perhaps even tips for people writing fiction? I am going to avoid that question for the simple fact I've never written fiction. I would mm-hmm. say marketing-wise, if I'll, pretty much the same principle. You want to build a brand. You want to, you want to write in the same genre. Like If you're writing uh, fantasy, you want to keep writing fantasy. If you're writing science fiction, you want to keep writing science fiction. What I do, would do is uh, I'd recommend checking out the Creative Pen, and I'll, I'll give you the, the link for the show notes. The Creative Pen or the self-publishing podcast, and that one with the caveat, that is a family-friendly podcast. But I would say I listen to both those people, uh, Joanna Penn, and then there's Johnny B. Truant. Yeah, Johnny B. Truant is somebody who has a good Yeah, and they're, they're, they're both, I would say, uh, Sean Platt, they're, they're, all four of those people are like great at like providing uh, good, valuable content on fiction writing. Like, I know what I'm, I shouldn't be talking about a certain topic, and I would say just go check out those two podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Great, great to defer to those people. Um, a couple more things before we finish up here. This has, again, been a great conversation. You had mentioned earlier for your habit stacking book 
that you had some negative reviews and you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Why the blowback on that? Um, When looking at it, it's weird because that literally has been by far my my biggest income generator. And I think part of it is the title I picked. The title I picked was um, it's it's Habit Sacking 97 Small Life Changes That Take 5 Minutes or or Less. I think the, the promise of the subtitle, it was providing a quick solution. And so half of the book really kind of provides more of the framework. I think maybe I spent too much time on the 97 habits, and it really is as generic for some of them as take a pill. And I think people felt um, gypped on that. They, they, they didn't get a full solution. They got more just kind of a um, – they just got kind of ideas that everyone knows. And I, that was a huge mistake on my part, and I'll be the first to admit it, that maybe I didn't spend enough time on the framework. But I guess a few lessons here. The first one is you can always publish the second edition. I definitely plan on – improving the quality of that book, definitely providing more content on the framework. And the second lesson is that proves that kind of the idea behind habits is really, um, I know people are kind of hungry for specific information, so I use the kind of negative experiences from that to really focus on the next book, which unfortunately I'm not going to really want to talk about the actual title or the the scope of the next book, but the next one, I'm really kind of taking that negative experience and really focusing it on trying to make the best possible book. Like the book took off and sold really well, but it, it started in the tank simply because I got a bunch of one-star reviews there. You know, maybe they're well-deserved. I, I just made a mistake. And people, that is part of this model is I just publish and make mistakes and I learn from them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I just felt that like a lot of the negative reviews, like it just felt it wasn't as good of a book. And I, I learned a lot by reading them. And I, I now don't really, it actually taught me not to read all uh, negative reviews. And I just got a point now. I just don't look at my negative yeah, reviews. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. <laughs> it's just, they can, they can eat at you. And I, you know, at least they I've do. grown sort of a thick skin uh, as of late because, you know, I'm pretty yes. out there. A lot of people, even on the blog or on my Facebook page or whatever, they, you know, there's a few trolls out there. And yes. if you know that they're there, like, though, I mean, there's no reason to go and look at your one star reviews, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, Sorry, I should take that back. There is a reason to look because there could be some room for improvement. And if they're yes. obviously a part of your audience, you want to listen to your audience. But there are one-star reviews that are just completely negative, just trying to start up stuff. And, you know, you could read them, but don't, just don't take them personally. Actually, my trick now is I have uh, my VA go and include all the twos and one-star reviews and give me like a little monthly report. So kind of like pulling off a Band-Aid one time a month, I go look at them just kind of see what's out there and then i just get annoyed for an hour or two and then just forget it so <laughs> well that's not, not a bad idea actually having your va filter through the negative disrespectful ones that you shouldn't even yes. consume and then give you the ones that are actually going to be useful to you yeah it's it, it is I, I really truly feel it is important to pay attention to ones that are helpful like the trolls i'll just you know like, like they say haters are going to hate but there are a lot of people <laughs> that are giving you valuable feedback and you do want to pay attention to them Right, right. Haters going to hate for sure. Um, <laughs> you had mentioned the second edition of this book that is going to be done using improvements, you know, based on this feedback. Is that something like if you're if you're if we're publishing on Kindle and you publish a book, does the second edition you just kind of replace the first one or does it become an actual second product? Uh, you could do either or you can just upload uh, a new version and basically put in the actual description. This is a new, improved, updated version. But to be honest, that book got ripped apart so much that it's it's almost like putting lipstick on a pig now. It's you just, it's really it almost wouldn't make no sense to just do an updated version. I would say literally a habit stacking version two with X amount of new content and just basically take the old one down. You, with Amazon, you can kind of do both. Uh, that being said, I haven't actually ever a second edition before. I'm kind of curious to see how it would work. But my initial gut reaction would be to take the whole thing down and just start fresh. Like I I feel the model itself actually has some merit. Just maybe my execution was poor. 
Sure, sure. Cool. Thank, thank you for that. Um, before we get into some of the specifics of Kindle uh, to finish up, I have one question I want to ask you. What if we're, we don't con- consider ourselves a good writer? Is this something we could still do? How do we learn to become a good writer? Uh, it's hard. I still, I actually still don't consider myself a great writer and that's why I have editors. Um, it's actually, it's a challenging one to answer because I know there's some people that just really struggle with this. Uh, specifically, there's a couple of people who are smart people, but English isn't their first language. So they, they often struggle with that. My best, uh, piece of advice, and actually I've given this to a couple people is to basically create as thorough of an outline as possible almost kind of following the model I discussed before. So I would say upwards of five to five to 7,000 words of an outline and then just pass it off to a ghostwriter and to basically have them almost as a co-author. Like, so basically they'll put the information that comes from your experience. Um, I, I know some people have done that with great success, but for me, it's really just, I, I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good writer at all a couple of years ago, just but almost having it ripped apart by editors and kind of constantly doing it on a continuous basis, I learned how to get a little bit better, and hopefully years from now I'll be a lot better. So for me, it's just an evolving process. But I'd say if you're um, if you're really struggling with it, perhaps you want to work with the ghostwriter and use an outline. Yeah, and for me, when I started my blog in 2008, I wasn't that good of a writer. I wasn't great at all. And I still read some of those older posts. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, but, you know, just the more I've done it, the better I've gotten. The more I've learned, you know, I've, I've read great blogs and I sort of pick up things here and there that work on theirs. And then I sort of put them into my style. And, you know, just you got to do it. It's yeah. going to be tough at first and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a nice test for you to see if you really want it. But just keep going, keep writing. And even if you don't publish it, um, you know, just keep writing. I think there's a couple sites out there that allow you to write almost sort of like in a journal online and you have the option of just keeping it private or, you know, I think it's like 750 words or. Yeah, I've, I've heard of them. I just, I've never personally used them. But yeah, honestly, like you said, any, any amount of writing that you can do, it just like, don't, don't be afraid to put it out there. Trust me. I'm like, like I said, I've got a bunch of books out there and some have gotten ripped apart. I'll be the first to admit it stings a bit. But really, that's how you learn, and it's it's not like it's not like people are coming to your house and beating you up. It's you just you get your ego knocked alongside, knocked around a bit, but just understand that you're just this is a process, and you just every lesson teaches you how to be a little bit better. Right. Okay. Now, can you define for us really quick what KDP Select is for all of us uh, authors out there, and how do we best utilize what it is? Uh, KDP Select's uh, pretty much what I've seen, a, a constantly evolving program. Uh, it's basically a program that Amazon offers to authors that basically for 90 days, if you put your book inside KDP Select, you get all these sales tools, and I'll describe the sales tools in a second. Uh, basically, the idea here is you give them 90 days of exclusivity. That means you can't publish your book on a blog. You can't publish the book even as like content elsewhere unless it's completely re- reworked, or you can't publish on other platform full platforms like Barnes & Noble, uh, Smashwords, Apple, that sort of thing. Mm. And what you get with KDP Select is a number of tools. Uh, specifically, you get a promotional tool that every 90 days you can either give away your book for free for five days. And if you're getting started, that's actually a great way to start building it on. Just basically give away your book for free. And actually, I have a blog post on my site that uh, Nick Loper did where he actually use a free promotion to get like something like 20,000 downloads. So he's a great example of someone who did a, a great free promotion. Or the other tool is a countdown deal. And basically you get to drop your book down to 99 cents, which on Amazon, it has like a little ticking clock that shows it. It's only 99 cents for a certain amount of time. Mm. And the idea here is you can, 
I should have added that you get 70% on that royalty rate instead of the standard 35% if it's at 99 cents. And the idea here is you actually get a lot of sales in a short amount of time, which helps your overall ranking. Now, in addition to that, um, there's a couple are small, like your, your book gets 70% um, like uh, commission or royalty rate on sites like uh, countries like Japan or Brazil, that sort of thing. But for me, what's really exciting are the borrows. And up until last month, borrows um, are 10% of my business, you, and the basic borrow is about two bucks a pop. But now with the Kindle Unlimited program, that's basically what I mentioned before. That's uh, readers can basically sign in to Kindle Unlimited for nine bucks a month, and they can read pretty much unlimited amount of books, unlimited amount of books that are in the Kindle Unlimited program. And what I'm starting to see is, as long as they read ten percent of your book, you get about a dollar eighty, and that's for this month's rate. I'm not too sure what it'll be for August or September. Uh, you get a dollar eighty per borrow, and that's really dramatically increased my overall just just by these Kindle Unlimited. So the bottom line is KDP Select offers you a lot of different um, sales tools. I guess the huge caveat here is basically you're, you're giving up a huge part of your business in Amazon's hands. And uh, just from my experience with Google, I'm always a little bit leery of leaving too much of your business into an entity that you don't control. But I would say for people getting started, like Amazon's going in from there, obviously really careful about what you control and what you don't control. Perfect. Awesome. Man, we've covered a lot of things and obviously we could probably talk more about this um, and maybe we should talk more about this, you know, have you come back on later. Um, I love creating shows for all the authors out there. The Jeff Goins podcast did very well um, and, and I'm sure this one will do very well too. So, dude, thank you so much, Steve, for sharing all of your wisdom and congratulations on all your success. If anyone out there wants to find out more information from you or, you know, where should they go or how can they get in contact with you? I would guess a couple of places. Um, it's to see kind of the example of this. Uh, so all my Kindle books are habitbooks.com, or at least the ones we talked about here. And actually, the blogs.site.com, I actually talk pretty much nonstop about Kindle publishing. And obviously, I have a free report, that sort of thing. But uh, I would say check out both those sites and just honestly drop me an email, stevescott at gmail.com. Um, I actually am a firm believer now in really answering every single email personally and really trying to help people. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve Scott. Just awesome advice. And I feel bad there at the end. The connection was getting all weird. So I want to make sure that the links and the URLs that were mentioned uh, from Steve at the end there are re-mentioned here clearly. So the first one habitbooks.com. If you go to habitbooks.com, that'll redirect you actually to Steve's Amazon author profile page with a list of all of his books and you can see them and rank them based on popularity and see what he's got going on there. A lot of amazing stuff going on. And I think that's just fantastic advice in terms of getting into a specific space or niche market um, within the publishing publishing realm or within Amazon Kindle market. So that's awesome. Habitbooks.com uh, was it. And then stevescottsite.com. Steve Scott, S-I-T-E dot com. And there he just blogs about his experience writing and writing books and publishing. And um, you can email him, he mentioned also at stevescottsite at gmail.com. So Steve, awesome job. Thank you so much. And keep up the great work. It's very inspirational. And I think this is going to be the start of a lot of people's sort of empires on Amazon as well. Again, just niche down and provide value and do it right, just like Scott did. Show notes can be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session one, two, four. Thank you so much for listening 
all the reviews and ratings and subscribes and iTunes. That helps so much or wherever you're listening to this. You can also download the app and an Android version is becoming uh, is being made right now and it'll, it'll be available very soon. But you can more conveniently listen to this show, Ask Pat, which is my other show, and get the blog content all in one spot if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash app. You'll see it there. I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do, and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something, there's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Let me know or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time. So check it out. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. Again, you can get show notes at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 124. And uh, thank you so much for all the support. I love you guys, and I'll see you in the next episode next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.